0: The sounds of an Anzac Day dawn service at the Cenotaph at Auckland Museum.
1: For the services and sacrifices made by so many, Help us to remember those who paid the ultimate sacrifice where their blood soaked the
0: ground on foreign shores. The Cenotaph is an impressive memorial with its symbolic empty coffin sitting on a stone pylon. It's an exact replica of the design in Whitehall in London. But it forms just a small part of this war memorial.
1: The whole building up on Pukekawa uh, in the Auckland domain was built in two major stages, one following World War I and one following World War II. The cenotaph is the, the, the focal point, if you like, of the actual commemorative services, but the building itself is, is the bigger statement around... I suppose people's aspirations are the day that we hoped the tragedy would never happen again. Now, of course, tragically, only one generation later, we were extending the building, doubling its size because World War II had happened.
0: This is David Reeves, the museum's Director of Collections and Research, and I'm Alexia Russell from The Detail. Together, we're taking a tour of this magnificent building, talking about how we tell the stories of war, why there's been a surge in interest in those stories – and the horrific date that both our families have in common. We start outside on a blustery day where, carved into the walls, are names that will be familiar to any students of history, and to New Zealand drivers, because many of them are street names.
1: The original building, which opened in 1929, the names above the windows are the various battles in which New Zealanders were significantly involved.
0: So there's Ella Um, Lane we're walking past now.
1: And then when the building was extended in the late 1950s... um, then that um, idea was carried on, so the battles of World War II were added above the new section. So we're standing now outside at the at the join between the two buildings. So the Oh, I see, the so the, of the Battle North of Britain marks the, the join. Yeah, so the nineteen twenty-nine building stops here and then the nineteen fifty nine building is the the curved bit that was extended. And it's the architectural style is an interesting combination of the sort of Greek revival. Um, classical, but also um, fitting of the of the time, the just hints of modernism and and art deco just slightly stripped back um, classical uh, motifs and hence the, these, these sort of bas relief um, figures mm. that you see at the door portico here.
0: Do you think they knew at the time that this would become the iconic building in Auckland?
1: They, I think the reading I've done were absolutely aware that that was the, the case and in fact the architects were very keen that that be the case and, and that was the sentiment in Auckland too that the, the hill which had been a significant site for Māori in previous centuries has a fantastic view over the, the harbour entrance and, and to the Maonga to the south, strategic point and so when it was selected as the site for the War Memorial building and also, the previous Auckland Museum had was had outgrown its previous premises, and and the two projects were combined during the 1920s.
0: And here is the reason why Anzac Day is on April the 25th: the Gallipoli 1915 landing, with all the the names: Shrapnel Gully, Walker's Ridge, Quinn's Post, Russell's Top. That's General Andrew Russell referring to, I presume. Yeah. Lone Pine, etc. But is, is this date, the 25th of April, is it the right date? It's it's one battle. It wasn't the worst battle in World War One.
1: No, I mean, but it has uh, become a, an incredibly symbolic date, and for Australian and New Zealand involvement in World War One, and it's been written about many, many times that it was the first time that New Zealand and Australia popularly were viewed as, as fighting together and that landing day was the day chosen as a, a memorial day. I mean, they, they needed to choose a day but of course there have been many, many other battles since and other parts of the war but this one... Although its origin is in the Gallipoli landing, it has come to be New Zealand's Memorial Day and, and Australia's, mm. even though the rest of the world tends to focus on November the eleventh as the armistice, the armistice day. is the yeah. signing of the end of the war or, or the you know.
0: Because Anzac Day was originated during the war, didn't it? Before the Western Front battles were fought. And a lot of people, and you and I have this history in common, um, feel that Passchendaele was by far the worst event, Mm. the 12th of October, 1917. Well, it was certainly
1: the single day where New Zealand lost um, over 800 lives in a a single day and is still the very worst day in New Zealand's history of, of armed conflict overseas. But there's... A sense that Passchendaele was just so terrible that at the time people perhaps wanted to forget it, um, much to the, the, the grief of the families involved, um, yours and mine included. Yes. And I think at the beginning of the war there was probably still a great sense of adventure and, the, and, and possibility and, and doing it for the you know, king and country thing. But by the end of the war people were just so worn out and so despondent and just so relieved that it was over um, that, 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 it perhaps, that perhaps Passchendaele was not viewed as, a, as such a some, it certainly wasn't something to celebrate and um, it's
0: not even written in no. stone and on a, this that's building that's a
1: curiosity that, that the name Passchendaele and, and historian Jock Phillips has written about this a bit, um, why it is that we've got um, Versailles and Somme and other, other names from World War I are named, uh, street names and, and the like, but Passchendaele is not.
0: However, the names of individual battles at Passchendaele are included. Two of the museum's architects were wounded there.
1: And um, again, you know, this idea that maybe it was just so painful that, that people wanted to forget.
0: Or they couldn't spell it, so they said Ebra instead. (laughs) Yes. Now, I've talked to David at the museum for a detailed podcast before, and this is how we know that his great-uncle and my great-grandfather died in the same battle on the same day. My ancestor's name is not on the walls inside the World War I sanctuary because he was from an Otago regiment. These are just Auckland names.
1: So there's over 4,000 names here, which, of course, if you consider that the population of New Zealand was was only around a million at the time, so that it's a very substantial percentage, a a a large percentage who served, and also a terrible casualty rate, also.
0: And is this where your great uncle?
1: Yes. Is? Yep. So, the name of Charles Roland Gumley is is up in the top corner there. You know, I'd, I'd always known that his name was here but it was particularly poignant when I came to work here and you know have the opportunity to walk past him every day so he was 22 from Hawke's Bay he enlisted in Auckland which is why he's included in the Auckland role
0: the World War I sanctuary opened in 1929 and two years later the names were added.
1: And actually we um, have a programme where from time to time, once every three years or so, we do a bit of a catch-up because we get notified of some misspellings in some cases. Um, so even now, uh, 90 years later, there are still errors and omissions which which come to light. We research them thoroughly and check them against the original criteria for inclusion, um, and we we had some extra names added last year actually.
0: Oh really? Yeah,
1: yeah, just three or four names that yeah. had been forgotten. Yeah,
0: and I presume you don't correct misspellings, so you just correct them on the online well, we, record.
1: No, we can actually. That there, there, there's well, if the stonemasons are able to, they'll they'll do a very careful job of of fixing them spelling. Yep.
0: David says as time goes on people are becoming more not less interested in their relatives who served many of them spurred on by researching their ancestry to help them in that the museum is in charge of the nation's online cenotaph and for a lovely story about that listen to the end of the podcast Heading anti-clockwise now, we pass through the stories and artefacts of the Second War, including a Spitfire plane that was craned in after the museum roof was removed and the 25-pounder field gun of the type my grandfather operated in the Pacific. Next you get to the other cornerstone of the War Memorial Museum, the World War II Hall of Memories. And while the sanctuary is beautiful and peaceful, I find this newer end of the building more confronting. Here we have Korea, Malaya, Borneo, Vietnam, Bosnia, Kuwait, East Timor, Afghanistan. Sadly, there's more room at the end.
1: And there's a panel down the other end which poignantly says, let these walls never be filled, um, which was also part of the sentiment following World War II you know, the aspiration of World War I clearly hadn't, you know, worked out. Um, so that was, a, that was a very assertive statement around let's try harder to stop this happening. The slight difference here around inclusion of names um, is that these names are from the whole of New Zealand. So these don't represent just Auckland. And the difference happened there was after World War II... The enlistment in the New Zealand Army was not on a regional basis and the Air Force and Navy also. So it means that that people didn't have quite such a regional affiliation to their enlistment, so it means it makes it makes more sense. And also there's, a, there's thankfully a smaller number possible to put them all on one tablet.
0: And, and now we're getting to the stage where we're starting to recognise the names that we heard in the news. I mean, I've done a podcast about... Leonard Manning, mm-hmm. um, we know about O'Donnell um, yes. in Afghanistan. It's, it's coming closer. <laughs> it is, um,
1: yeah. And what's interesting, particularly when our, our online cenotaph work, there's part of the audience that, that use that are uh, people like myself and you who have people from World War I, and the, there's a sort of a family history element to it whereas what we're finding is that there's a really strong group of service personnel who served in these more recent Vietnam and, and later who are coming to the museum seeking a place to record their memories seeking a place to be listened to seeking a place to deposit their medals and so we, we're, we're seen by them as a trusted place to, to look after their memories and to respect them and so
0: that's the right place. Yeah, yeah. and the Auckland
1: Museum occupies this this odd place in being overtly public, but not of the government. So it means that we, we can do things a little bit outside the rules sometimes, or or, or, may, or form the rules um, just you're not, you're slightly aside Not tied aside by from, military protocol. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And mm-hmm. that's not to to say anything against military protocol. It has that, that absolutely has its purpose. But in a civil frame, sometimes there are other things going on. So um, the Online Centre, for example, has people who fought in the Spanish Civil War. Now, New Zealand itself didn't fight in the Spanish Civil War, but um, there were New Zealanders who went and fought, and and the the families of, of those men want somewhere to record those memories and to make sure that the record isn't lost
0: at the end of the room under the r's my great uncle jack jc russell there he is so he died in italy he was the first new zealand soldier to die in italy he was a driver he was killed by friendly fire um and here he is on the wall yes. um, I guess it makes you does make you feel there's you have a connection with someone that you never met, yeah. but your relatives talk about it. that's right, yeah
1: that's right yeah um, and taking their place on the wall amongst and, and and if you think that that you have that reaction to one name, and here we have several thousand <coughs> names around us, how many stories and resonances that represents yeah you and know, how many every how many interrupted name. lives yep. every single name has. Um, a spider's web of, of connections and um, relatives who remember them in different ways.
0: The Scars on the Heart exhibition is about understanding what happened in World War I and before that and what the impact of that has been, an impact that we're still working through now. That includes the New Zealand wars where some serious rethinking is going on.
1: That gallery is actually just right now up for revision. Um, we've we've done a bit of thinning out of the previous display, but our curatorial team are, are working on it right now, uh, really completely rethinking how we might approach that, and and working with um, communities around New Zealand, around particularly northern New Zealand, um, and so what people see now will be very different from what they will see in three years' time when we've, we've done a bit of work um, rethinking w- that. Will
0: you align it with the new school curriculum? Yes,
1: yes. So that's, mm. I mean, that's one of the um, things that's driving that, but not the only one. Um, and, again, that's another display that's now getting on for 25 years old, and mm. our, our thinking has, has changed. We'll do some adjustments, um, in the next few months, but there's a much bigger project to completely rethink this um, yes. and use use different objects. And,
0: and when um, you say rethink, I mean, you know, but when the museum first looked at this, there was only one half of the
1: story essentially told. Yeah, although I mean, we've got the two halves on the two sides of the room here, but even then the Māori story is told by Pākehā, so it's yeah. not you know, we sort of went part way there, but but actually we need a much greater range of voices, and I think we'll also expand this into not just uh, what happened when and who was involved, but there's a much, much bigger story to, to understand about the consequences, you know, A, what was the conflict all about, and it's... Sovereignty and land, and dishonouring treaty obligations, and so forth. And how does that persist today? What What are the things today that that have an origin right back in the 1860s, for example?
0: And here we are at the the one I kind of like the most.
1: Here's your favourite uh, bit: the
0: trenches. Because I loved when this first was built. I thought, oh, Wow, that's amazing! You can actually Walk through the trenches here, sandbags on the side, and, and a wooden floorboard, and, and
1: the texture and of the, the, the rock.
0: rock, yeah. And it's got you know fabulous displays within it, so you sort of get the idea and the of what it lighting it did, and the soundtrack. Like. Yeah, but then you would have done this too after going to Zonnebeke and into the actual trenches that they dug up. The the dampness, the constant, the mud the very very dim lighting the, um, the feeling that a rat was going to run over your feet yes. any minute um, I just wonder can any museum accurately portray how awful that was
1: I think we can use various physical devices and, and emotive um, methods to evoke that but but we can never completely recreate that um, it's something that um, this is a suggestion of what it was like, yeah. and, it, and it helps give people a sense. But the true depravity of of having the the, the no light and the smell and the the that, that, the mud underfoot and and also World War One in particular. Months and months and months and months like that. I mean, the, just the, the constant rain and 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 the constant threat of not knowing what was happening tomorrow. And the other thing about that is that it, it's actually in or, or very near the actual place that it happened. So this one is sort of diametrically on the opposite side of the of of the Earth, yeah. and and people know that. Um, so, so there's a, a bit of a suspension of disbelief that happens to, to know, we've got the clean war. Yeah. And so we, we, we know we're not in Belgium when you're walking through here. Um, but the visitor feedback that we get around these displays is still very, very positive and so, you know, it's not, not a priority for us to rip them out and do it no, again. No,
0: not something that needs to be fixed. And while the trenches and maybe the Spitfire are my favourite parts of the War Memorial Museum, David Reeves says some of the people who come in with a quest are what moves him the most.
1: I'm thinking, for example, of of a really moving story of a Japanese woman who came in um, a couple of years ago now armed with a photograph of two children who were her half-siblings. So her father was a New Zealander as part of the J-Force following World War II. She never met him. He came, he came home. Um, her mother raised her. Um, and But all, she, all her mother left for her was this photograph, which had been sent by the New Zealand soldier to her after the war with his two subsequent children in the photograph. Um, that's all she had. And she wanted us to help. Um, and so between the team here and and at Auckland Libraries, we did this extraordinary, uh, circuitous bit of research which found uh, the photographer of the photograph, uh, the suburb they were in, found the school roles, found... Oh, that must have had the two, two um, given names of the children, oh, but, no, right. but no surname okay. on the back. So they went through the school rolls. Found the only case where there were those two names with the same surname. She was able to come back here with the surname. We were able to look up on the online cenotaph and find her father, um, and she was able to go out to Wakamete Cemetery and and visit his grave. And it, that that what is what moves me most. It's it's those stories of discovery where um, it's meaning making again it's it's you know that that is just so important to that woman who um and you know floods of tears all around actually when when that finally happened not not just the woman herself but the staff just really the the empathy of of being able to satisfy that quest that she'd had for 40 years of not knowing who her father was. Oh, quite um, Able to make the trip to New Zealand, and we were able to help her find her dad's grave. Mm. I mean, it's one of the wonderful things about that online cenotaph is that it, it's now it's got 264,000 service personnel in it, and there'll be different people who don't know each other who have a, a common connection. And so other stories where we've... we've you know, there's been reunification of, of second cousins who didn't know of each other because of perhaps you know, family rifts or, or just um, dissociation or dislocation.
0: So this um, may come as, as people get used to the online cenotaph adding their own information. That's right. You're not worried that people add fictitious information and build up the well, hero- heroics of yeah, their ancestors? So,
1: well, that was one of the things when we redeveloped the, the, the database was – um, and the key thing was enabling people to put in their own information and there was a big question, oh, how do we check that it's right and we quite quickly alighted on the the idea that we wouldn't A, we, we, we simply don't have the resources to check you know, 264,000 soldiers and what people might put in but also we did, we did require if people put it in they have to say who they are and we asked them to say what their source was how, did, how, you know, how have they come by this information but people are incredibly respectful. There, you know, there was a, there was concern about about spam or, or you know um, desecration of the you know the records. It, it hasn't happened. People just are incredibly respectful. That, that this is a war memorial function, and everything is constructive and positive.
0: That's it for today. I'm Alexia Russell. The detail is supported by the Public Interest Journalism Fund. This episode was engineered by William Saunders and produced by Sarah Robson. Thanks to David Reeves. Ka